We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go, you Redbirds! Go, you Redbirds! On the battle, fight for ISU! Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again, and welcome in. So glad you found us for another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. My name is John Fitzgerald, and over the next 30 minutes or so, we will catch you up on all the latest Redbird news, as well as a conversation with the winningest softball coach in ISU history, Melinda Fisher stops by to discuss her 37 years in the Redbird dugout, as well as retirement after stepping away as the all-time winningest head coach in Missouri Valley Conference softball history. But first, let's get you caught up on all the latest action in Redbird athletics as Brock Spack and the Illinois State football team bounce back from their opening day loss to Wisconsin as they pulled out a hard-fought 28-21 win over Valparaiso on Saturday night at Hancock Stadium. Winker's right made his first start in place of the injured Cole Mueller and took full advantage as the redshirt freshman ran for a career-high 101 yards on 21 carries, while Zach Anikstead completed 14 of 22 passes for a game-high 196 yards and two touchdowns. The Redbird defense flexed its muscles down the stretch once again as the Birds picked off three Valparaiso passes and racked up six sacks on the night. Senior linebacker Zeke Vandenberg led the defense with a team-high 12 tackles and three sacks en route to picking up Missouri Valley Conference Defensive Player of the Week honors this week. Sophomore receiver Jalen Carr was named the Valley's Special Teams Player of the Week after scoring his first career touchdown on a 98-yard kickoff return in the second quarter. The Birds continue their three-game homestand this Saturday night when they renew their rivalry with Eastern Illinois at 6.30 inside Hancock Stadium. 
After a slow start, Melissa Kresge and the Redbirds soccer team has won two straight. Birds picked up their first win last Thursday night in a 5-1 victory over Lindenwood behind a pair of tallies from senior forward Allison Baker. ISU then made a two straight wins on Sunday afternoon as Baker added her third goal of the campaign to tie it before freshman Kelsey McLaughlin put home the game winner with just three minutes left in regulation to give Illinois State the 2-1 win over Western Illinois in Macomb. As a result of her three goals last week, Allison Baker was named the Valley's Offensive Player of the Week, while McLaughlin garnered Freshman of the Week honors from the MVC. The Birds will now open Valley play this Sunday afternoon when they visit UIC. Allie Matters and the ISU volleyball team took their three-match winning streak to Memphis, Tennessee this past weekend. Birds opened the Beale Street Classic at the University of Memphis on Friday morning and posted back-to-back -back shutouts before dropping their third and final match of the weekend on Saturday to the University of Memphis. Katie Weimerskirch and Sarah Kushner were each named the all-tournament team after their performances at the Beale Street Classic. Birds have now won five of six, and they stand at six and three in the year. ISU will head to Milwaukee, Wisconsin this weekend for a pair of contests against nationally ranked opponents. And finally, the Redbird women's golf team completed their two-day Redbird Invitational at the Wybring Golf Club on Monday afternoon. Birds finished sixth amongst the 15-team field, while junior Kira Wolf led ISU with a sixth-place finish after shooting a three-round total of 220. That's a quick look at some of the latest headlines this week in Redbird Athletics. When we come back, we'll sit down with Melinda Fisher, the winningest softball coach in Redbird history. Stay with us as In the Nest continues right after this timeout. Head coach Brock Spack and the Illinois State football team are ready to roll this fall, and we want you to be a part of the action. Starting at just $50, season tickets are now on sale. Come out and support this season and lock your seats in for all six home contests. To purchase and for all other ticket questions, contact the ISU Athletics Ticket Office at 309-438-8000. That's 309-438-8000. Welcome back to In the Nest, as we are joined this week by longtime Illinois State University softball coach Melinda Fisher, who recently retired from her post after 37 seasons at the helm of the Redbird softball program, and in doing so, finished her career as the winningest head softball coach, not only in Illinois State University, but Missouri Valley Conference history. Coach, thanks so much for joining us this week, and you're a little bit more than a week into the retirement, 10 days maybe. How are things going right now? Um, first of all, thanks, John, for having me. Um, this is, uh, it's been a very um, roller coaster couple of weeks for sure. I think I'm starting to settle in to the reality of not going out to the field every day for practice about, boy, around 2.30, I get fidgety. I'm just like, I should be someplace else rather than where I am. And, you know, you kind of daydream a little bit and kind of maybe think about, well, how's practice going now? I wonder if they're hitting, maybe they're playing, maybe they're defensive breakdowns. You know, I, th I think today's a scrimmage day. So that all goes through your mind. And, uh, but it's just, you know, it, it was my life and, and I absolutely loved it. So I think it will be a little bit easier as time goes on. Time heals everything, right? And timing in life is everything I've been told. So, so we'll see, but it's getting a, a little bit better. 
Have you gotten rid of all the turf shoes at this point? <laughs> no, there's still two pair in the back of my car, quite <laughs> honestly. I'm just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with these? Uh, we have a unique field surface, which is a stabilizer surface, so it's oil-based. So they're not just turf shoes that you can really wear in any place after you've been on that field for a while. They're pretty trashed, basically. Yeah. So maybe I'll uh, bronze them or something, you know. <laughs> there's probably been a lot of uh, raking and packing of mounds and home plates throughout the career as well. Absolutely. I've got actually dirt from McCormick Field. So I have six little Pepsi cups full of that. I had taken some stabilizer from this field. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with all that. But yeah, anytime you redo your infield, you know, new plates, new pitching rubbers, new base net pegs and everything. So yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. Now, is your grass at home in either the front yard or the backyard? Do you have the lines when you mow in it? Is the, uh, is the yard maintenance going to up a notch now that you have a little bit more free time? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> because based on, you know, the amount of time that you really put in to dedicate yourself to this profession, you try to find people to help you with that. So Larry has really helped. He's the guy that mows, and he's a tremendous supporter. He goes, Melinda, when are you going to retire? And I go, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it, Larry. I'm thinking about it. But he does a great job with the yard, so we're just going to keep that intact. <laughs> well, let's go back a little bit. Um, for those who don't know, you're a proud Illinois State graduate, as a matter of fact, two times. When you graduated as a student athlete, you stayed on and were a graduate assistant coach to begin your coaching career for two years both in softball and in women's basketball here? Yes, well, actually, before that, I had gone to uh, Eastern Illinois. And so I started down at Eastern at the collegiate level in Hiredon basketball. And then during the course of uh, a three-year period after that first year, our um, women's athletic director passed away. And somebody needed to coach softball, so they asked me if I would do that. And I said, absolutely, positively do that. So it was softball and basketball head coach. And then Margie Wright had been a student athlete at Illinois State and was teaching at Metamora High School. And she came down to be the head volleyball coach and assistant softball coach. So our friendship, our connection goes way, way back. And then at some point during that three-year period, we were both offered positions up here. And uh, you just can't refuse coming back to your alma mater. I mean, it was just so exciting to be asked to do that. That's something that I had always dreamed of and uh, got to be a co-head coach with Jill Hutchison for five years, helped Margie with softball uh, for two years, and then the schedules really started overlapping, so you couldn't do both. Margie was hired as a head softball coach and assistant volleyball coach. So at that time, um, basically, I went full-time as a, a co-head basketball coach, and then Margie got the job at Fresno State, and Linda Herman goes, would you like to be the softball coach? I go, sure, I'll do it, and the rest is history. So. You had a great run of success in softball in the two years that you were the head coach at Eastern Illinois before coming back over here. Talk about, and obviously things have changed throughout the years, but the dynamic of being both a co-head coach and when you're at Eastern Illinois, a head coach in both sports. That, that's something that I don't think people can fathom in this day and age. Well, in this day and age, it absolutely would not be feasible. I mean, there's just so much more to uh, Division I athletics than existed back then. And actually, back then, we were large school and small school. Okay, there was going to start the division of large school, small school within the state of Illinois. 
and Eastern at that time was going to go to a small school status, and Illinois State was going to stay large school. But to be the head coach in, in both of those sports, it, it was kind of, I really enjoyed it because I really love both sports. And I just always saw myself in the winter when it's cold being inside coaching basketball, but then on a beautiful spring day just out on the third base box coaching softball. Um, now, we don't always have those beautiful days in the sport of softball here because of, of our climate, but Boy, when you get a, a day like, even like today, when you get a day like today, it's, it's, it's just the best. It's the best ever. But you could not do that today in terms of Division I. I don't think there's any way you could be a head coach in both sports. It was funny back then, student athletes really had, I guess, what you would define as an off season, much more so than they do right now. I mean, you're busy coaching basketball during the winter. Maybe there's some workouts and things like that, and you start practice mm -hmm. during those winter months. But for the most part, it's not kind of the 12 or at least nine-month cycle that it is right now for varsity sports. No, it wasn't. But what you had back then were athletes who played multiple sports. So you typically had – you could have had a person play field hockey in the fall, basketball in the winter, and then softball in the spring, or volleyball, basketball, um, softball. You know, many – Many players who were team sport oriented were team sport all the way through as opposed to maybe golf or tennis combined with a team sport. Uh, so that's what they were able to do. So they actually did compete year round, but they competed in different sports year round, which was uh, very unique in itself. And now, you know, you're seeing so much limitation and specialization at the high school level that a lot of these players coming in have only had opportunities to be coached in softball. You finished your career ranked 18th all-time among Division I head coaches, over 1,100 wins, 1,159 to be exact. As we said, the winningest head coach in Illinois State and Missouri Valley Conference history. Ten regular season titles, six-time Coach of the Year honoree. You coached 28 All-Americans, nine NCAA tournament berths, and five more Missouri Valley Conference tournament titles. To have people look back a little bit, this is obviously an incredible run of success you had in the Redbird dugout. Where was the program before you took over? Well, we were just coming out of the era of Title IX, all right? So we had gone through the 60s, the 70s starting, and then when I came in 80, we had just started to reap some of the benefits of the legislative um, Title IX issue, that came, that, the law that came into effect. So as we were heading into it, Margie had done a great job with softball. I mean, they had been at that time in AIAW. NCAA wasn't necessarily formed at that point. And so they had been really very, very, very successful in the AIAW. So I, I just stepped in and was hoping to continue that success. The success you had here, both on the field and obviously with the success of the student athletes, both on the field and post-graduation, is incredible. But as a softball coach and somebody who has softball in their blood and college, women's college athletics in their blood for the most part throughout your career, talk a little bit about just the dynamic of where women's athletics is right now at the Division One level and the fact that every game of the World Series is on TV with great ratings these days during the spring. And it's something that was probably a little bit hard to imagine back in the early 80s. Absolutely. I mean, where we are now, where we came from, it's, um, I mean, we've just done a tremendous job in every aspect that we can in terms of 
hiring, in terms of promoting, in terms of recruiting, in terms of really publicizing and making our sport very popular. And our sport is probably the third most viewed on uh, TV right now of all the collegiate sports. And it's, it's really exciting to see where this is going, but we have so much more to do, so much more to do. And I hope with that we never become satisfied with where we are, that we're always gonna strive to continue to move forward. Um, the salaries for female softball coaches, or softball coaches, I should say, in general, have really started to get to, uh, to escalate a little bit, I'll call it that. And uh, I mean, you see just some tremendous things happening, especially in the Power Five uh, conferences, that they're really starting to build these magnific magnificent stadiums, uh, which they're all well-deserving of. So I think just how far we have come is amazing, and how far we need to go is still also amazing and I'm, I'm anxious to follow that success uh, of our sport for the next couple of years couple of maybe decades I'm not sure but you know we'll see we'll see what happens you are obviously on the ground floor of really building a level of success here at Illinois State but you're you're heavily involved in the coaches association as well on a national level um, yes, a while back I was a first vice president of our National Fast Pitch Coaches Association. And at that time that I came into office, Lacey Lee Baker became our executive director. And we both kind of looked at each other and said, what in the heck are we doing? Because it was really a, an association that was just in its roots and really starting to take off and really starting to gain popularity within the, the collegiate uh, coaches in terms of membership coming to the convention. So my job was to run the convention. Her, her job was the whole entire association. So we became very, very close and uh, worked hand in hand. My term was actually up after four years and you can't be reelected. So she goes, I'm not gonna do this without you. And I go, well, I'm not gonna do this. She goes, yes, you are. I go, okay, I will. So I stayed on and, and directed the convention for about maybe about eight more years with her. And then uh, she retired and uh, Carol Bruggeman has now taken over and done a fantastic job with building of this association. But it's fun. It was a different part of softball. It wasn't the X's and O's. It was really a lot of behind the scene things that I really enjoyed being a part of and getting to know how things really ran you know it was, it was very exciting and I would think it would be very important especially at that time during that tenure to bring some of those best practices back to Illinois State as far as not only from a coaching standpoint with regard to your softball program but with what other athletic departments are doing to grow the women's athletics. Absolutely. I mean, you have so many opportunities for discussions at these conventions that, you know, all that have different topics for every hour that they can schedule speakers or schedule just uh, discussion areas. But you learn so much. And you learn so much from just camaraderie, uh, conversations with other coaches. Yeah, you do learn a lot. Oh, you know, hey, we did this. Our locker room really wasn't functional, but we took a look at it. And if we move this, this, and this, it made it huge. So things like that, just ideas start popping into your mind and you kind of think, what can I bring back to make Illinois State better? What can I bring back to make our program better? How can I help our program move forward instead of you know, staying where we are? We need to continue to move forward. So absolutely a great, great opportunity for just for a lot of different things to happen. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And you are here at a phenomenal time at an institution who really embraced Title IX with some real pioneers in the growth of the women's athletic department. Oh boy, I can't even go back and and thank all of those people enough. Um, My freshman year came in as a physical education major. Phoebe Scott was the chair of our department. And Dr. Phoebe Scott, my goodness, when that lady spoke, you could hear a pin drop. She just had that dynamic voice that was assertive, but calming. It was distinguished but gentle. It was just that voice that you you perked up and you listened to every word that she said. Um, along with that was Dr. Lori Mabry. Dr. Mabry became our first athletic director for women and she again was a pioneer that just put every ounce of her soul into the belief in what women's athletics should be and that led to my association with Jill Hutchison coming in as a, a freshman again. Jill was a graduate student and uh, I was her study in her basketball. She was trying to get us to go five player because we were still playing split, split split court. So you had two rovers, two forwards, and two defensive players. And I was a rover, so I got to be a part of her study, which I was hooked up to electrodes. And the highest heart rate that I had was when my electrode came off at halftime. And I had to go downstairs into the uh, training room down in McCormick, and I heard the buzzer re that start second half, I heard the buzzer go off, <laughs> my heart rate jumped because I couldn't get up there to, to get back on the floor. But, you know, Jill Hutchison, tremendous mentor. I mean, she's meant the world to me. She's done so much to help my career and to help, uh, I think, support what women are all about right now, but also what women should have been about back in that time. Then there was Linda Herman, who for so many years probably should have been an athletic director, but Illinois State, for some reason, wasn't ready for that female athletic director. I think I've served under 18, associated with 18 athletic directors through playing and and through coaching, and um, she was that interim at least four times. Um, But just a a gentle, kind soul and and somebody that just made you feel so important when she was around. Just, she was a great, great people, people leader. You look at the facilities now, not only at those Power 5 schools with regard to women's softball, but even in the Missouri Valley Conference, things like that, it's a far cry from probably what was going on in the 80s, wasn't it? Absolutely. So in the 80s, we were at McCormick Field, 
and McCormick was field the the home plate was if you would look at it now where the northwest corner of the business building state farm hall of businesses that was around where our home plate was where the residential life building was down the first baseline and then where the sidewalk goes was down the third baseline and i have literally looked at some old pictures we didn't even have a fence up we had batters standing literally like five feet from the batter who's batting with no protective gear on whatsoever we didn't wear helmets um, at that time played with a white ball 40 feet so you know the pitchers definitely had more of an advantage than they they probably do now but I thought oh my gosh we were crazy at that point and then one day Susan Kern uh, was who was a provost at that time came out and Susan very tall statured woman walked we had a little cinder drive that went down first baseline and she was walking like big steps and I'm thinking oh my gosh we're gonna get a concession area we're gonna have stands over here it was a residential life building <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was a, that was an interesting feeling though I think oh yes this is exciting oh, residential life so so yeah we were over there until 19 um, see 1999 we came over here and so we had our our first game I'm not sure what the date was sometime in April probably and so we've been here ever since so yeah and obviously in at the same time or throughout that same tenure this whole area of Bloomington normal has changed significantly and has really turned into I think a destination from a recruiting standpoint that probably wasn't the case back in the early 80s. You know, I think that the location has always been an attraction to a lot of students and not just student athletes. But then when you have the quad, you have the renovated bone center, you have the overpass. A lot of players that I went to school with have just returned recently and they couldn't believe all the updates that have happened. Then you add this, the the as you come down 51 and you've got the Hancock Stadium building, I mean, that's huge. That was huge just to, to make this campus feel a part of a collegiate town. Uh, then you have Uptown Normal that has really changed. I mean, yes, yeah, some dramatic changes, but they're all for the better. And from a recruiting standpoint, it is about location. I mean, you're two, two, two and a half hours south of Chicago, two, two and a half hours uh, north of St. Louis, same thing with Indianapolis, and then anything that you want to go out west, 74, 80 will take you there. So I think it's just a, a very attractive place from a, a good location standpoint to get away from home but be close enough if, if players or kids or students want to go back there. It's a business that you were in here for 37 years that isn't one necessarily associated with long tenures all the time, especially at one institution. A lot of coaches move around, whether or not on their own or somebody else's decision at that point, but it's kudos to you, and I don't know that people truly understand the dynamic of recruiting and how it's changed throughout your tenure. I mean, there probably it wasn't that long ago, at least it doesn't seem that long ago to me, that June and July, after somebody's senior year, they might still be showing up on campus for a visit and potentially sign for the next month now you're recruiting freshmen and sophomores over the last couple of years, and that puts a huge strain both personally and on your entire coaching staff. Um, it hasn't. In, in softball, we've really kind of gone full circle with our recruiting role. So I'm not, I'm not time period-wise, maybe five years ago, we put in a recruiting calendar that we could not talk to players personally at, at 
contests at games or on the phone or through email or anything until their junior year. So that's really helped, I believe, the, the softball world to kind of go more into the reality of, okay, now this, this player, the student athlete, hopefully is mature enough to make a decision uh, about where she wants to come to school as opposed to a freshman. And we did recruit some freshmen uh, very early on who decided to come here and, you know, were they really prepared in their minds to make that decision? You know, who knows? It worked out for many, but I really think that is a, a good thing for softball. So yeah, we've had a couple of people show up in June and July, but typically you're right. Most of the signing is done the early months of that particular year before they can commit or actually sign their letter of intent. But in some sports, I mean, you can, you can go clear down to junior high, no, no limits, I guess. But I didn't like that. I really did not like that at all. You, could, you had such a hard time focusing on the players that you really needed for the next year when you got distracted by, oh, this kid looks really good. I think Absolutely. she'll develop, you know? So yeah, I think it's really helped the coaching world and I think it's really helped the recruiting world as well. As you look back over 37 seasons, and some of these memories will probably come flooding back over the next couple of years as well, but what are some of the memories that most stand out to you during your time here at Illinois State? Uh, just the tremendous people, number one, and I could not even begin to name all of them, but um, you know, for 37 years you have at least 37 different types of teams and the chemistry that developed between all of these teams even though you have players that go from freshman to senior year uh, the leadership that those players brought the integrity that they they played with the integrity that they did everything with they did, always did the right things for the right reasons so the people are huge people are huge um, I think some of the other memorable times we were able to take our team on five foreign tours and that to me was really special. You know, we had to raise the money for it, but we went twice to Australia. And that was a time that the NCAA let you go between breaks and you could go like a couple of weeks, which financially made it um, affordable. So we did that. You have to go four years in between your um, international tours, but we were able to do that. And we had a trip to Belize, trip to Curacao, and then our last one to Puerto Vallarta but then we were scheduled for one in 2020 fall of and we couldn't do it so i hope that will come back at some point i hope that softball will get uh, in a position that they're able to do that because i think you just learn so much being in a, a country where you're not the norm and you really have to rely on yourselves to get through but you learn so much about other customs and other traditions that are very important moving forward in life um, you know all the championships absolutely could i pick one out Absolutely not. Can I pick out certain things of each one? Probably, but I'm not sure I'd do it justice. It's, it's just the, the memories are of people. The memories are of being on that field. The memories are of loyalty. Tina Kramos, new head coach, here for 23 years. You just don't see that anymore. And, you know, so, so much appreciate what she was able to do and had a couple of opportunities to leave and, and she stayed. Again, you don't find that very often. And I just want to give her a lot of, lot of just love and, and respect for being able to do that and, and choosing to do that. And then she right now has a really good young staff that I think will excel very well in the, in the Missouri Valley. And I, I think that's gonna be good for her because she's gonna be such a great leader. She knows how to teach, she knows how to coach, she knows how to sell, and that's what you've gotta be in this role.
obviously the wins, the championships, the NCAA tournament bursts, the All-Americans, the Coach of the Year honors, all on paper. We can all see those things. But I know the relationships of your former student-athletes and the success that they have had post-graduation, whether it be in marriage, in business, as a mother, whatever it might be, that's been incredibly important through your tenure, hasn't it? Absolutely. That, that's the thing that really is fun to watch, the progress that they make coming in as freshmen. And then when they get to that senior year and they're frazzled because they don't know what they exactly want to do in life. But, you know, everything works out. Um, we've had a lot of players get married, start their own families, and it's really fun seeing their kids come into our games. Um, some of them are to the point that they're pretty tall now. I, I've had uh, Nicole Kirst's daughter, Addison came as a, I don't, I'm not sure what year she was in grade school, but she was definitely shorter than me, and now she's, I'm looking up to her. So, I mean, it's just things like that that are so important. I've adopted on my own a great-great-grandson in Jackson, and that's Javon's little, little boy, and I think I'm going to pair him up with Nichelle's little girl, Olivia. Um, they're not even two yet. So someday maybe they'll, they'll hook up and you never know what might happen. But no, it's, that's the fun part, seeing, seeing families grow, seeing families expand, uh, seeing parents come back and, and, oh, you know, hey, this was a great place. Thank you so much and all this kind of thing. And it, that's just the fun part to me. So sitting at multiple field complexes is not in your immediate future anymore. What is next? That's a great question, but I had trouble sitting at multiple field complexes the last couple of years anyway. I'd go watch for about 10 minutes, and I'd have to go someplace else and watch for 10 minutes, so, and my attention span wasn't so great. Um, so what's next? I'm going to take a little break here and, and go on a little vacation, come back, and I think things will start to figure out a little bit more, fall in place a little bit more, but I thought about a couple of different avenues, but uh, I don't want to even remotely say at this point. I don't know. I don't know. I just want to kind of enjoy the environment. I'm so excited to, to watch this home football game tonight. I think it's going to be a tremendous crowd here. Um, I just love the excitement, the party-like atmosphere that's going on. Um, just enjoy and, and see what it brings. You planning to stay in town? Absolutely, yeah. I know. I, I've gone to Maui a few times on vacation, so all my players think that I'm moving to Maui. <laughs> I go, listen, if you want to support me to move to Maui, I'm happy to take it. But no, financially, that's a pretty expensive place. Now, at the very least, as part of your retirement gift, I'm assuming that you don't have to buy season tickets for softball this spring, right? Well, we don't charge, so no, I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's good. But if we ever do charge, I'll be the first knocking on the door. <laughs> Coach, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. John, thank you. really appreciate you having me on. And, and hey, go birds. That's Melinda Fisher, longtime head softball coach here at Illinois State University. She retired two weeks ago after 37 years at the helm as the winningest head coach, either male or female, in ISU history. We'll have more on In the Nest right after this timeout. The Illinois State Volleyball Team is ready to roll this fall, and we want you to be a part of the action. Come out and support new head coach Allie Matters and the Volleyball Redbirds for just $65 and lock in your seats for all 12 home matches. To purchase and for all other ticket questions, contact the ISU Athletics Office at 309-438-8000. That's 309-438-8000. Welcome back to In the Nest. As we take a look at the week ahead in Redbird Athletics, the ISU soccer team will open Valley play this Sunday afternoon when they visit Chicago to take on UIC. 
Birds will be back at Adelaide Street Field next Thursday night for a date with Northern Iowa. Alley Matters and the Redbird Volleyball team will take their 6-3 mark to Milwaukee, Wisconsin this weekend for a pair of matches against top 25 competition. Birds will open the weekend on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. when they meet 25th-ranked Illinois before taking on 23rd-ranked Marquette Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. Men's golf team's going to be in action next week on Monday and Tuesday as they take part in the Bearcat Invitational at the University of Cincinnati. And on Saturday night, Brock's back and the Illinois State football team will look to make it two straight inside Hancock Stadium as they welcome in-state rival Eastern Illinois in the Mid-America Classic. Kickoff is set for 6.30 p.m., and fans can take advantage of some outstanding new tailgating opportunities as the athletic department has announced the opening of Redbird Row, which will be for all fans prior to every ISU football home game this fall as a new high-energy tailgating area. Free and open to the public, Redbird Row will include live music at every game, a video wall showcasing college football games from across the country, a beer garden, and food for purchase. Each week will also include Reggie's Kids Zone, Yard Games, and a refillable water bottle station from the Office of Sustainability called Reggie's Watering Hole. As always, fans will also be able to take part in the bird walk beginning two and a half hours prior to kickoff. This season, the team will gather and make their way through F62 parking lot. That's the Turner lot on their way to Redbird Row. Led by head coach Brock's back, Reggie, ISU cheerleaders, and the Big Red Marching Machine. Team will continue through Redbird Row on their way to the Kauffman Football Building to begin their pregame warm-ups. For more information on tailgating opportunities for Redbird football this fall, reach out to Dylan Horder in the Redbird Ticket Office at 309-438-7231. As always, the Brock's Back Show presented by Bud Light returns tomorrow night, 6 p.m. from Schooners in Bloomington. We'll broadcast from 6 to 7 every Thursday night throughout the football season. Make plans to join us at 810 East Grove Street in Bloomington or listen along the Xfinity Mobile Redbirds Sports Network from Learfield. And finally, men's and women's basketball season tickets are now on sale for the upcoming 2022-23 campaign. Upper Bowl seats start at just $100 for the men and $65 for the women. Visit GoRedbirds.com slash tickets to secure your season tickets at Redbird Arena this winter. That'll do it for us on this episode of In the Nest for Melinda Fisher and our entire crew. This is John Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you next week right here on In the Nest. This has been In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network.